Hi, I'm Alan Murdoch. For the past 20 years, I've been buying, fixing, and selling properties right here in Southern Arizona. And I want to buy your property. Whether it's a house, apartment, commercial building, or vacant land, regardless of the condition or the situation, I want to talk to you. When you sell to me, I pay cash and it's hassle-free. No repairs, no closing costs, and no commissions. If you have a property you don't want to deal with and you want a quick solution, call, text, or visit SellTalon.com. Again, that's SellTalon.com. Copper Creek Cookies, Copper Creek Cookies, CopperCreekCookies.net. We can print anything on our soft vanilla logo cookies. We deliver them and other sweet treats locally. We are located at 4249 West Ina Road, Suite 121. Call us, 520-300-1131. We bake smiles. Copper Creek Cookies, Copper Creek Cookies, CopperCreekCookies.net. Hey, it's David Samarano. I'm here on another local Miranda podcast. It's been a couple months. We've been busy doing a couple things. We opened some subsidiaries. One in particular is thisismiranda.com, which is your newest local news media site covering a lot of positive events that are happening in the community. And we also have opened Miranda Foodie, miranafoodie.com. Check out the socials. We're grateful. We have uh, contracted news reporters and content creators that have joined our team and the content is coming soon. So make sure you go on and follow those social media platforms. Go check out the websites when you get a chance. Today, I have the opportunity having a great guest here, somebody that I've gotten to work with a couple couple years now. Um, great relationship with this person. I've learned a lot from him. He's taken time out of his day to be here with us and talk about real estate investing and his his adventure and journey in this type of industry. And I'm going to go ahead and let you take the, the, the floor here and kind of talk about who you are and what you do. Sure. Uh, thanks for having me, David. Uh, my name is Alan Murdoch. I've uh, been in real estate for about 23 years now. I uh, was very interested in real estate from the investing side, you know, early on. Uh, so that kind of guides a lot of uh, what we do and how we do it, you know, in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. Well, I have a bunch of questions for you today. Yeah. So let, I hope you're ready. Let, let's hit it, man. <laughs> and and the, the listeners don't know, but today... Uh, Alan has already been in here recording some informational videos for his website that they're getting ready to put on there of frequently asked questions and stuff like that. So he's already been in here working. So he's versed and ready to go. So Two birds with one stone, David. <laughs> how do you get into real estate investing? Talk about how you got into it, what motivated you to do it, how old you were. Kind of give us a rundown. Sure, sure. So my real estate journey was really born out of necessity, uh, no pun intended. Uh, my wife was pregnant. I was working two jobs. You know, one of them was more full time. The other one was a little part time. And I was attending uh, college and I just felt like my back was against the wall and I really didn't know w what would be a good business for me. But I did know that at the end of the month, you know, I was saving like 200 bucks and I just could do the math and I knew that I needed to make a change. Mm -hmm. So I started investigating like different types of businesses that I could open and what really kept coming back around was this concept of real estate investing. Mm -hmm. But David, I always thought to myself, I mean, how, how am I going to do real estate investing? I really mm -hmm. don't have much cash. And yeah. when I mean not much, I, I, I don't have much cash at all. You know, it's like yeah. I had a, a truck that was paid off. You know, my wife's car was paid off because those things were important to me. Right. Um, but I was sitting in the hammock in my backyard and I was, you know, at that point I was a new homeowner, just loved owning a home. I just, mm -hmm. it was like one of the most exciting days in my life. So that was something that really 
you know, caught me. So within a few months, I was, you know, in my hammock in the backyard holding my little daughter and I was looking for something new and I was reading a book written by Robert Allen. And there was a concept within that book that really resonated with me. And it was kind of a watershed moment looking Mm -hmm. back. And that was, he said he could be dropped in any city in America with at least 30,000 people and he could make a seven-figure income without any money and without knowing anybody. Bold. And, yeah, I, that's what I thought. I thought, oh, he's probably exaggerating times five, you know. <laughs> but at the end of the day, there was an additional concept there that made sense to me. And that is if you find value, you can find money. And if you have something good, other people definitely want it. So just a light bulb went off. I said, you know what? I'm going to get into real estate investing. I'm going to work hard to find a deal or an mm-hmm. opportunity to work, uh, you know, this concept of sweat equity. So that it was that moment I decided to get into real estate. And then, of course, there's there's testing that goes on, yeah. you know, with that. And uh, I just came up with, uh, you know, back then we didn't have smartphones. Yeah. So I had a map book, you know, that you should be able to buy a Tucson map book. You what year is this? Up. What year is this? We got so a map this book. is so uh, 1999. Okay. Uh, 1999, 2000. And I get the map book out, you know, and it's the latest one. You know, mm-hmm. I think I had the 1996 <laughs> map book, you know, Christmas gift or something <laughs> silly like that. And I open it up and I pick a square mile where I think houses are like at least 40, 50 years old and probably need some work. Mm-hmm. And a, uh, I pick this square mile in town and I I take it to the photocopier, Xerox machine, for those of you uh, <laughs> who know that stuff. Yeah. And I blow it up and I j- literally just take a highlighter and I go street by street. And every time I found a house that looked like it was vacant mm-hmm. or needed some love, I just wrote down the address and then I would put a number by it, and then I had like a legal pad, and I would source that number to the legal pad. Okay. And I would look up all those addresses when I got home. There, there was the internet, you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. the websites weren't as evolved. So there was a lot more kind of research involved in finding, you know, who owned these homes. And and I was lucky that very first day that I tried to do this, I found a person that was very anxious to sell their property wow. and, you know, made it you know, you know, sat down with me and, mm-hmm. and I told him what I was trying to do. I was very transparent. I said, Hey, look, I'm excited to get into this business. And I mean, maybe looking back, you know, they took a leap of faith, you know, dealing with me, but we worked out a price. And back then you were allowed to get a credit for like a repair mm-hmm. or a new air conditioner or something like that. Since then they've modified what you're allowed to do with loans and you can't do that anymore. But I was able to negotiate those credits up front. So I had a little bit of money once I closed on the house to do some repairs. Okay. And I, I never spent that money. You know, I did the repairs myself and wow. I put that money in an account and I have it to this day because it was something that was really meaningful to me. And I was able to, you know, find this deal on day one, uh, which, you know, kind of, cr- you know, creates a success bias where you like get a lot of wind in your sails and mm-hmm. go for it. But it was, that's how I got started. You know, I just found that deal and it made a lot of sense to me. And uh, I just loved looking at this brick house. It was four bedrooms and it was under $100,000. <laughs> and it just made a lot of sense to me. Yeah. I just said, look, I'm going to try and do this. And I was a little nervous, you know, mm-hmm. uh, to get started. I had saved a little bit of money to where I could, I could cover some payments. Back then you could get a home loan with 0% down. Okay. which was amazing. And I, I had worked that deal out with them. And, 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 and that person was very happy. 
you know, and I, I remember the address, the person's name, the exact price. Yeah. Um, it was just a, a great moment. So that's how I got into it. So I had a little bit of success, made some money, frankly, more money than I'd made at one of my jobs in an entire year. So I said, <laughs> yeah. uh, this is what we're doing. You know, I went yeah. home and and uh, we made some cookies, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just to kind of celebrate. And yeah. they, uh, that was kind of the beginning of the journey in real estate investing. Wow. That is really cool. So you stepped outside of the box, man. And you talked about something that uh, I, I can resonate with, and it's the how. Didn't know how to do it, right? Like, well, none of us know how to do any of the things we go out and set to do, like to, to start these businesses. We were talking before the podcast. You're like, hey, you left everything you knew. You had a steady paycheck. You know, you had you know, a new baby here, and you just went. And it was like the how was the hardest part. I had the idea in my head. Right. Like, I'm going to go do that, but the how. And you explaining your how. And then you also covered something here that I was going to ask you. It was like when you're evaluating a potential real estate investment property, would you say that your criteria is still the same today where you're looking for something that needs, uh, you know, the person might need to do some upgrades. There's some safety concerns or something like that that has that's happening in the home. Is that something you look into help with, with selling? And yeah. At the end of the day, uh, the criteria depends on, mm -hmm. you know, that the asset class, so right. to speak. Um, you know, if it comes to, you know, a single family home, there are some certain, criteria that we would like to hit. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if it's a house that has an original floor plan, that's always a plus. Um, if it's a house that's slightly elevated above the street, um, if it has a little bit of curb appeal to it, that's a plus. Mm -hmm. We like things that uh, were built well, even if they're old, because these are, you know, these are ways to avoid costly repairs and reconstruction and, and stuff of that nature. A lot of times uh, it's highly preferred to find something that might just need color updating, but it's mm -hmm. been maintained. That's usually uh, a target that we look for. Right. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, depending on the asset class would uh, depend on what we're looking for today versus back then. Mm -hmm. Back then I was just looking for a way to provide some value. Mm -hmm. And that, that house was in rough shape that I bought. Yeah. And it gave me an opportunity to do it myself. Like I did the work myself. You know, I hired my younger brother, you know, he helped <laughs> me with the landscaping and yeah. painting the fascia and doing some stuff like that. And it was a really exciting time. Uh, but I would say the criteria in the sense that we're always looking to be able to create some value or mm. improve upon some value, that still remains the same. What we pay for houses has changed drastically, you yeah. know, just with the, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, mm -hmm. just the inflation of prices and, and in, you know, and how readily information is available. The profit margins are, yeah. are a lot less than they used to be, yeah. um, but that's the way of the world. The world gets more efficient all the time, right? Right, right. So you, you, you make this deal, you got wind in your sales, you're making moves, things progress and get better and, and you continue to grow from there? Do you start buying, acquiring more properties after that? Yeah. So ended up buying two houses that first week. Uh, the first one, you know, all I had ammunition for was that first one. You know, mm -hmm. I had a little bit of money for closing costs and I was approved for a home loan. Yeah. That's it. One. <laughs> so the very next one, I talked one of my friend's parents into a um, getting the loan and I would help with the down payment mm -hmm. and they went ahead and did that you know, put the house in their name. You know yeah. what I mean? What what better security could they get than that? Yeah. We put the house in their name and then I worked to deal with them to go ahead and do the work and to find a buyer. And I was able to do the work and I actually found the buyer myself. There was no other real estate in, 
agent involved at that time. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was a coincidence. It happened to be a buyer that knew my in-laws, but that was a coincidence. I didn't get the buyer (laughs) from them. Um, So ended up locating two deals in the very first week and then probably ended up buying a deal a month after that in the, you know, in the early years. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, then it's accelerated to, you know, we have weeks that will buy 15 houses. Right, right. What are some common mistakes you see new real estate investors make? Oh, man, there there's a lot of mistakes that we all make, you know, mm-hmm. when we're going into real estate investing. Um, real estate investing can be challenging. Um, overpaying for a property can be one of them. Um, not doing your due diligence, like not really understanding you know, what something might rent for, Mm -hmm. uh, what it might cost to get it uh, up to a livable standard or to get it remodeled nicely. I would say one of the mistakes is just moving maybe too quickly Mm -hmm. on on something and just not really understanding how to get that property in the right condition at Mm -hmm. the right price. I see an awful lot of people that have just a very optimistic picture of what they're capable of. (laughs) You know, a remodel that we know would cost $55,000. They think they can do it for 30,000 bucks. Right. They think they can do it in three weeks. We know it takes six, Mm -hmm. stuff like that. So being very realistic about the outcomes is, uh, is, is very important and probably a common mistake that we see. Yeah. Um, but there's a blend. You know what I mean? You have to be willing to jump in. I, you know, I do run into people who have the dream and the idea of real estate investing, but then they overanalyze it to the point where they don't make a move. Right. So there's a balance. Like you have to evaluate it enough so you're informed, but you don't want to make it, you know, you don't want to evaluate it so much that you never make a move and somebody else buys it. Mm-hmm. If you if you have good value, more than one person is going to want it. Yeah. So you do have to be prompt yeah. with your decision making, yeah. if that makes sense. And you got to really consider the dynamics of the market too, right? Like you, you were telling me a story uh, of 08, right? Yeah. That like yeah. You, you care to jump into that kind of stuff? You want to talk about that? Well, I mean, look, at the end of the day, there's a lot of conditions that are outside of your control. Mm-hmm. You know, what you can control in real estate is, you know, the effort that you're putting into doing a remodel you know, the ultimate purchase price that, you know, you pay, um, how you're sourcing your capital, you know, are, are you the type of person who has the ability to pay cash? Um, if not, you know, what is your exit plan? You know, Mm -hmm. what if things don't go according to plan? You know, how do you, how do you get out of that? So, you know, sometimes market changes and markets change and looking back, sometimes there were signs but in the moment, a lot of people don't see those market changes coming their way, right? And they might not be prepared for them. Mm-hmm. And when you're and when you're just getting started, you have more risk, right? Yeah. If you don't, if you're not sitting on a lot of cash or you don't have a lot of credit mm-hmm. lines available, um, you do have to be careful with your movements. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to be quick, quick in your processing until you can build up those safety nets, whether they're, you know, cash or know-how or both. Um, but you know, as far as, as far as 08 goes, I mean, I mean, a lot of people have some stories of, you know, failure and survival, you know, during those periods. And, Mm -hmm. and then right after that was one of the greatest buying times in my real estate career. Right. I mean, when you can buy something below cost, that's usually a good sign, (laughs) you know? Yeah. What are some things you wish you had known when you first started investing in real estate? Oh, in a nutshell, keep it all. I mean, you know, real estate really 
gain steam over the long haul. Mm. And I would tell my former, you know, my younger self to just be patient. You know, when you're when you're about to give up on a real estate deal, sometimes you're right around the corner from making it a viable deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, I accumulated rentals in the early 2000s, and rents were not very strong. I mean, mortgage rates were six, seven percent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just wasn't making enough money on them in my eyes, uh, and I didn't make enough money on them to hire a professional property manager. Mm-hmm. So I'm managing 30 plus rentals by myself, plus working a full time job, and it just felt like too much. Yeah. So my solution to that was sell all of it. That was a horrible mistake. A lot of them were on 15 year mortgages. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the end of the day, just the equity position that was there, I wanted mm-hmm. to get my hands on it, but then that creates a taxable situation. Yeah. So you don't even get to keep all of that money. Um, and then seeing people that I worked with over the years keep those houses, and then it flips like a switch, but that switch sometimes takes a dozen years. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it takes 15 years. And most people I talk to, they're just not thinking 12 and 15 years into the future. Right. And if you told them, you're like, hey, if you just hang on to this, <laughs> you're going to be calling a lot of the shots financially yeah. in your life and in your family. And, you know, you can do a lot for your family. You can do a lot for your retirement. You can do a lot for your community. Right. And it's just staying the course. Yeah. So I would say have a plan. Keep as much real estate as you can. If you're getting into the investment where you've got to, you know, do the transactions and, mm-hmm. and do the trading of real estate, you know, we all have cash flow needs. Mm-hmm. Okay. So- that's, you know, I understand that. You know, right. I had the cash flow needs, so I, you know, turned them. But there was also times when I just was out of energy and didn't want to deal with it. Yeah. So I would look for ways to, you know, recharge yourself and stay the course. I think I think a uh, attention surplus is limited, you know, in this world and mm-hmm. if and if you can really just stay on task and that task is holding and keeping that property until it becomes, you know, paid down, paid off free and clear, that's when you really reap the benefits. So the harvest comes years down the road. (laughs) It's not, you know, the summer. That's that's hard for people today to deal with. Yeah. Because everything is instant. Everything, I I bet it's harder today than it Mm. it, it was back then. Yeah. Um, But, you know, hindsight's 20-20, right? Mm. I could look at it and be like, oh, if I did this, I, you know, (laughs) know, wouldn't have to be grinding so hard today. Or if I did that. (laughs) Yeah. And that's just not the way life works, Mm -hmm. you know? So we do... embrace the grind and the journey and and it's mostly fun but we all have those things that we have to do they're just ancillary to what we do and they frustrate us and those are the things we're like oh you know when yeah when i finally make it or when when i reach my goals i'm not going to miss that and we can't escape those in any capacity at all (laughs) you know the second the second you replace you know this task new problem something else moves into it and if nothing moves into it you might be in bigger trouble than you think yeah it's too quiet (laughs) Yeah. It's way too quiet. Exactly. So how do you deal with vacancy and repairs on a real estate investment? Yeah. So a lot of the properties um, we we end up just doing the repairs on. We don't have a lot of vacancies on the rental portfolio. Mm-hmm. Um, with that being said, we're in the process of building quite a few rentals. So that vacancy question might be you know uh, better for me to answer a year from now. Right. Um, but one way that I've taught my clients to avoid vacancy is be selective in your buying. Everybody wants, everybody has pride. Everybody wants to live in the nicest place they can afford. Right. So why wouldn't you have something as nice as you can make it? Like Mm -hmm. I believe in having curb appeal, you know, having something that is very functional, having something that is 
has a great logistical location. These are things you can control. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, at the end of the day, if you if you buy an asset that has those type of things, you're going to reduce vacancy. And then don't overcharge. A lot of people overcharge. They're pushing that rental limit and they're not taking their turn, you know, their their turnover mm -hmm. into into account until it's too late. You know, yeah. they look back and they go, "Oh my gosh, we've had three different tenants in 3 years." That's generally not a good thing. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? You're yeah. Maybe you're not providing enough value mm -hmm. to that tenant, or maybe you're not being as responsive as you should be, or maybe you have a, you know, a property management company that's not as responsive as they should be. Right. At the end of the day, you know, you've got to be accountable to the process of, of managing these. So, so you can reduce vacancy through a strategic effort of, you know, just buying good assets, mm -hmm. taking care of them not overcharging for them. I mean, it all sounds simple, but you'd be surprised how often I run into someone who tries to char overcharge for something that's in poor condition and not a great location. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's a price adjustment for all those things. You know what I, I mean? And, and a buyer, a tenant, the marketplace, they're extremely intelligent at sourcing and finding value. And if you're taking value and not delivering value, you're going to have a vacancy issue. Yeah, taking value, not delivering value. Yeah, you have to deliver it. the The marketplace is so brilliant at finding that. Yeah. If you don't believe me, just think about it. Yeah. Everything you do when you buy something, you immediately know: was that a good deal? Was it a medium, yeah. average deal, or was it a bad deal? We yeah. all know that stuff. Right. We all have things we're paying for in our life. We're like, oh man, the second I don't have to pay for that, it's gonna be great because <laughs> yeah. they're taking value from me, yeah. right? Man, I saw that recently in the air conditioning, in the HVAC uh, industry. I needed a new unit and you know my my wife my wife's an accountant she's like we're going to do some bids right <laughs> like, all right sure sweet, let's do it right so three different companies you know um two of them were at 15k right and I'm like in my head I'm like that sounds outrageous like that's crazy well I find this little local guy licensed bonded insured right maybe Six, even the same unit yeah 6k yeah that's a pretty good deal so See, that's yeah, that's so, that falls in the good value yeah, category yeah. so and the guy had it in in like a week. Sure. Like didn't bother us or nothing, right? And and I'm like, how are you guys, why are you so high? Like you're just overvaluing and taking, like it's just, you're making, you're at 70, 80% on your margin here. Like yeah. calm down a little bit, you know what I mean? I'm like, so it was, it's just crazy to me to see that. And then you hear you talking about the same thing in that the market you're in, where it's hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it's like- Yeah, people know value, you know? And I, and I think, look, if you give people good value, they're going to tell their friends about you. Right. You know what I mean? They're yeah. going to, or, you know, the classic cases I used to have rentals were like my tenant would find the next tenant for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because they recognize the value. And, and I'm not saying give away so much that, you know, you're, there's a balance. Yeah. Right. And it, yeah, it's, a, it's, but it seems like once you figure it out though, it's like yeah. the referrals and the word of mouth and the stuff comes and which is always king. Yeah. Right. And it's like the people will come. Yep. And you want to stay in tune too. Yeah. I mean, some people just neglect everything they're doing. They just, <laughs> they just plug it in and then they just walk away. And like, you know, I run into people they are like, oh, I've been charging the same rents for 15 years. That's yeah. why I'm always occupied. We're like, well, a lot of things have changed in 15 years, you right. know, and, right. and, you know, there, there's a, um, there's a process to just keeping up on it. And, I, and again, don't overcharge people. Yeah. But if you undercharge too much, you know, that's, you're, you're doing yourself a disservice too. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, you'll get ran into the ground pretty yeah. quick. But this is a good segue to my next question, which is what trends are you seeing right now in the real estate market? 
Yeah, interesting. I mean, this is the most fascinating market I've been in where, mm-hmm. you know, you've got these interest rates that have more or less almost doubled, you know, in the last <laughs> 18 months. And uh, the median pricing has actually gone up a percent in the last 12 months, you know, depending on what charts you look at. Sometimes one and a half percent, 0.75. Um, some of the higher price stuff is starting to, you know, come down. But a um, what's really keeping our market stable is the fact that you've We've got a couple hundred thousand people in the Pima County area mm-hmm. that have mortgages at, mortgage rates at 4% or below. And so those are people that are sitting still. Yeah, they're you know not going I mean? anywhere. <laughs> no, you're, you're not in a hurry to go across yeah. the street to get one extra bedroom and you know have a 50% increase in interest cost or yeah. you know, outflows. So that's very real. Uh, because of that, that limited supply has kept those prices pretty steady in the median range um, with the with the interest rates that, you know, the, just the increase, you know. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, we've had these low interest rates long enough to get used to them. Yeah. Um, so, so people are just, they're slowly acclimating. I yeah. think over the last couple of months, we've seen, uh, we've seen a lot of stuff pick up. And I think that is just, people are fatigued of waiting. Right. You know what I mean? There, there's people who are like, okay, we're just going to wait for it to come down to this rate. You know, and rates did improve mm-hmm. over the last month. And and sometimes that's all somebody's waiting for. Okay, look, it got 0.75% better. So yeah. I think now we got to make our move. And I, I think the general sentiment is that rates are are going to trend down over the next 18 months. That's what I'm months. hearing. Yeah, yeah. but I, I mean, there's no crystal ball. I there's, mean, there's, yeah. there's market forces in play there that mm-hmm. are going to have more to say than Alan Murdoch has to say about it. Um, but, you know, prices are still pretty high with these yeah. interest rates. Really hard to make a, a rental cash flow at market prices. I mean, we're constructing our own rentals. I yeah. mean, that's how we are nice. we're sourcing some more product. Um, but, you know, it's taken a long time to kind of get there, you mm-hmm. know what I mean, where you can get the land, get the entitlements, get the permitting, the architecture, all of those things. And yeah. and now we're trying to do it on a larger scale. You know, it, it's hard to, you know, I've seen it either happen onesie twosie at a time yeah. or kind of larger scale. I haven't really seen anything in the middle. The middle is kind of a, a dangerous zone, in my opinion. Yeah. I've got a question for sure. you on this. So let's say that the, the interest rates continue to, to decrease, mm-hmm. right? Let's say they go down... Two percent, mm-hmm. okay, which would be phenomenal for a lot of people. Yeah. Lot, you know, well, what's happening to the house prices at that point with the demand not really change, like the the availability, well, and the demand. I mean, what what what? This is just a a professional, sure question. Best answer. What what do you think is going to happen with that? Well, there's a couple schools of thought there. Yeah, I mean, uh, the main school of thought is prices will rise significantly because mm-hmm. I think what has happened over the last year and a half, at least in our market as there's been a lot of consumer surplus, meaning, you know, even a year and a half ago, people had more funds to spend on their housing than they were spending on it. Mm -hmm. And now they're really getting challenged. Like, okay, how much can your house payment be? And you still buy this house. You know what I mean? Just like that, that Disneyland park ticket, you know, Mm -hmm. that keeps going up. They almost know exactly what your breaking point is, David. (laughs) They're like, will David bring his family if it's this much? And there's an answer where we all say, no, okay, we're not going to Disneyland, kids. Mm -hmm. It's just too much money. Mm -hmm. And they want to keep it 
right at like your, your, your just your highest threshold for pain before you break, <laughs> you know? And I, I feel like that's what real estate has done over the last year and a half. Right, yeah. Where someone is just like, oh, goodness, I never thought I would pay this much of my income towards my housing. We're in other markets like in Southern California and some of the bigger cities. They're already allocating more of their income towards housing than we have been in the Tucson area. Mm-hmm. So Tucson is perceived as a good value from nationwide eyes. When they're looking at Tucson, they go, oh, this is a pretty good value. Yeah. Someone like myself who's from this area, you look at it and go, oh, my gosh, I can't believe how expensive these have become because that's my perspective. Right. You know what I mean? So so sometimes I learn a lot from someone who's coming in from out of town and they go, oh, my gosh, you, you know, how are you, where else can you find that for that price? And I go, mm-hmm. oh, my, you know, like, you're crazy. You're going you're gonna to buy that. And then you see it happen over and over and over again. You're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm not sure if I answered your question. You might even have to repeat it. <laughs> no, no, you did. You did. You know, you, you talked about, you, you said it, The you see the prices going up significantly. Yeah. If, if oh, the yeah. Interest if, the interest rates rates, yeah. if the interest rates go down, I think prices will go up because I, you know, people are very sensitive to the monthly cost of things. Yeah. You know, and, and all of a sudden, if, you know, you can get a medium priced house and your payment's 1800 and you can rent it for 2500 that that brings in a level of interest. Yeah. Right now, the Wall Street Journal just had an article two days ago and that, you know, buying a home doesn't make a lot of sense right now. Right. You can rent. Yeah. But if you have necessity, you know, mm-hmm. you, you you have a family and you need a roof over your head and there isn't anything for rent in the area you want to be in, but there's a house for sale, mm-hmm. those people are buying. Yeah. You know, but, yeah. you know, look, balance will prevail in the right. end. You know, the, right. the, the prices and the interest rates and the market demand, all those things intersect and- and yeah. I, I think our market's going to be pretty steady mm-hmm. in the median range. I think some of the higher end stuff, you know, that we might see a correction there. Yeah. We might not if they're delivering quality, you know? Yeah. And I, I've heard some term, forgive me if I'm wrong on this. Um, it's like date the mortgage rate. Yeah. Marry the home or yeah. something. So date the rate, date, buy the home date, or something Date the like rate, that. buy the home. Tell me what- yeah. what. Talk about that with me. Yeah. The concept is, hey, if you find a house that you like, just buy it today because we all think the interest rates are going down and you can, you know, you you, you can just get a new rate and refinance that later. Roll the dice, baby. Yeah. <laughs> and that's and that's exactly what it is. I yeah. mean, you know, nobody's going to bet their retirement that rates are going to be a certain rate. You know, mm-hmm. experts can talk all day on where they think they're going, you right. know, and they're, they're looking at macro trends and- and, you know, they understand the inflows and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know how that market is made. But at the at the end of the day, you have to be comfortable uh, paying what you're going to pay on that day. Yeah. You know, you don't want to set yourself up for failure. And if you're yeah. like, hey, we can make this payment for 12 months and then we're dead in the water. <sighs> that's dangerous. A lot of people do that. Oh, my gosh. Um, but that, I think that is a... That's a dangerous way to live, you know. Cause, no. Yeah. Because no you know, way. if the market continues to shrink, or if the economy shrinks a little bit, and money's a little bit harder to come by, it's you, you don't want to you don't want to put yourself over a barrel. But yeah. you know, at the same time, if you can afford the rate today, and it happens to get better for you in the future, that's fantastic opportunity. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but don't count on it. Right. I wouldn't. Right. I wouldn't. I wouldn't count on anything even if it's trending that direction listeners he's on to something you know uh so maybe we call that a sign i don't know it's or <laughs> just some educational information that alan has provided in regards to that but uh yeah it's there for you take it in 
you know, I just had a conversation with my brother like uh, two hours ago. You know, he's he's doing pretty good. He's sure. Like, yeah, I'm thinking about doing it. And I'm like, you know what, man? I love you. You get to make whatever decision you want. But this is how I feel about the market right now. Right. Maybe you wait a little bit. You don't. He's not in the necessity thing, right? Sure. He's got a place. He's got an apartment. I'm like, yeah, you know, man, maybe just just wait a little bit. You yeah. Know, wait it out instead of doing the date the rate. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you can afford the rate, yeah. you just, just buy. Yeah. Just buy what you're yeah. looking for. Um, a, a lot of people will say that like, oh, marry the house. Like, this is the house in the location I've been looking for. It yeah. has that additional garage. You know what I mean? Maybe we run a business at home and it has the space that we need. Mm-hmm. Um, I say, you know, I think owning a house personally and owning a house for investment are two different things. Right. One is lifestyle, security, mm-hmm. building a foundation for your family. Mm-hmm. That comes at a certain cost. Right. And sometimes you don't recover all the costs that you put into it. Mm-hmm. Frankly, most people don't. Yeah. An investment's totally different story. You're looking at just the fundamentals. Yeah. Like, you know, how does this look? So I think if you find the right house in the right location and you can afford the payment at today's rates, you should buy it. Right. You know? But if you're like, you're, you, like you said, you're rolling the dice on that. Yeah. Then I don't think you should. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Good. Thank you for providing that. All right. I got a couple more questions. Sure. And then we'll, we'll, uh, we'll call the day. We've, okay. we've been busy here, huh? Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> What's been your mo- your worst or most challenging real estate investment experience, and what did you learn from it? Oh, wow. That's a loaded question. So my background is I've done almost 5,000 deals where wow. you know we've owned it, you know, bought it, fixed it, sold it, or bought it, rezoned it, developed it, extended utilities. I'm sweating already, man. Yeah. Um, so many challenges. Mm-hmm. So many challenges. I would say, gosh, it's a... Uh, at least one in 10 properties we lose money on. Like we never start the deal saying, hey, uh, how much money would you like to lose on this? <laughs> it just kind of happens because yeah. we're aggressive in our efforts to find deals. And sometimes we can be a little too optimistic. Like, okay, I think we can get our, you know, like what I was talking about earlier, what other people make that mistake. Yeah, I fall into that trap sometimes too. Mm-hmm. You know, like, hey, maybe we could repair this for, let's call it $50,000. Mm-hmm. And a, uh, we should be able to resell this for three seventy nine. dollars you know, and then, you know, then the repair budget, you know, it's like, oh, I've got a broken sewer line, you got this, and all of a sudden you're 65000 Okay. And then your 379 dream turns out to be 355 you know, because mm-hmm. three other people put their house on the market. And then mm-hmm. it's like, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I lost $15,000 to work. You know, <laughs> um, sometimes, sometimes that happens. Mm-hmm. You know, as, as far as the challenges go, you know, they're, they're really educational opportunities. Um, you know, the biggest challenges were, you know, during market turns, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, seeing, you know, we got a quicker beat on the 08 recession, you know, it was really beginning of 07, where we used to monitor our incoming phone calls and we get over hundred phone calls a day. And then all of a sudden we're, it's like down to a trickle. Like my mom is calling, um, like a friend is calling, yeah. but no customers are calling. Wow. And you're like, wow, that was like, uh-oh, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Some, some, some things are going to change. Um, so navigating and pivoting around that was absolutely a challenge. Like, yeah. I, you know, there was a point where I was like, I'm not sure if I'm going to be in real estate. I love it, but I don't know if I'm, I'm going to be in it, you know, you know, was able to kind of maneuver around that and really turn it into a good thing. Mm-hmm. Turned out to be, you know, a decade of buying, you know, yeah. 08 to 2018 was unbelievable time to buy. And then even statistically buying in 19 and 20 were great times to buy too, just because of the escalation in prices or de- deflation of your money, however you want to call it, mm-hmm. um, those 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 a uh, fixed assets, you know, kind of rose in value is one way to look at. It. But 
challenge-wise, you know, when COVID came out, there was kind of this real uncertainty. It's like, hey, man, are we are we going into another one of those recessions? And I sat and just kind of evaluated stuff, and I realized, I said, I think we're going the other direction. And I doubled my marketing budget. Yeah. And a, uh, I ended up buying a lot of homes that our competitors canceled on. A lot of these national buyers, you know, they deal with corporate boards and they just don't like risk as much. And mm-hmm. they all they all went away. And there was an awful lot of people who thought, hey, you know, we're we're gonna we're gonna sell this house to Alan Murdoch, let him get stuck <laughs> with it. You know, and it turned out to go the other direction. But there were some challenges. There was probably about a three to four week period in mm-hmm. there where just like is this it? You know what I mean? It's like, is, are we going to crash and burn right now? Um, and I, I decided I couldn't play the middle ground. I said, I, you know, I had to double down for a yeah. lack of better words. And I said, we're either going to crash and burn or we're going to go up. You know, we're going to try yeah. and get it to the mountaintop. So, so luckily out of that, that stressful situation, you know, some good things happened, but there's always like individual challenges with mm-hmm. the deals, but kind of how I'm wired. I, I don't spend a lot of energy thinking about the challenges. I try to learn from them and, and move on, but there's been plenty. Like yeah. I've, I've had deals where it's just like, wow, you know, like an amount of money I never thought I would even have mm-hmm. was lost, you know, on a bigger deal. But, wow. but a, uh, yeah, that's why you just don't, you don't ever count your chickens before they hatch. Yeah. Right. You know, you know it's, uh, it's something hearing you talk about this because you're so casual about talking about crashing and burning. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I've had you know, a lot so, of thoughts on it, you know? It's <laughs> like, yeah, you know, my crash and burn, you know, I made these moves, you know. It's like, yeah. It comes with the experience you've been through this stuff like that. Sure. But, you know, I know there's some people probably listening going, crashing and burning. Like, I can't crash and burn. You know, that's scary. Yeah. So, but it, it, you, you prevailed. Yeah, that's, you know, that's a good point. And I don't want to seem insensitive or just kind of callous about crashing and burning because – one of the things that's been very important to me ever since day one, I mean, I, you know, I was I was working as a, a waiter in a local restaurant and saving money was a concept that it just really resonated with me. And, um, you know, I, you know, I built a security blanket by doing that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I built an emergency fund early and I will crash and burn before that emergency fund gets exhausted. Right. So, so in that regard, I've, you know, I, I, I'm able to take a little bit more risk, mm-hmm. you know, for doing that. So I don't want to sound, when I say crash and burn, I mean, hey, maybe we just got to start our business plan over, mm-hmm. or maybe I just got to start working by myself or, you know, something like that, which I haven't had to do. Yeah. Um, but I always feel like you're, if you're above ground and you're alive, you're in business. Preach. You know what I mean? You're, <laughs> yeah. you're, you're in business. So I never feel like you're out of business. There's just yeah. adjustments that need to be made. And, right. And a uh, and sometimes if you're kind of okay with the worst outcome, like a crash and burn, mm-hmm. it's just business. You know what yeah. I mean? And it's, it's an educational opportunity, like you said. Yeah, you know? yeah. And it's not Perfect. life or death. You know, it's like, you know, I, I know so many people that are struggling with real things. You know, it's like telling them I'm losing money on a house. It's insignificant, right? You know, <laughs> but it's very real to me. Or yeah. maybe someone who's only doing one deal. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a big deal. That 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 can stop people from doing business or even future mm-hmm. business. I've seen a lot of people come into the real estate space. Do a deal, get their butts kicked, never to return. Mm-hmm. But in reality, hey, if you had like two more butt kickings, now you're on your way. You know, yeah. it's just, it's just that we're all wired different. We yeah, all have different right. experiences. So, crashing and burning, I, I, I say it, not super carelessly, but maybe not as careful as I should. <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> Thanks for explaining the yeah, back yeah, end yeah. of that. People are like, oh, okay, I get it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you took steps to to yeah. make sure that yeah. it wasn't a complete yeah. and utter loss of everything. Yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> 
So here's just just a random weird question. Sure. How many black cats in a day do you need to see to feel concerned? Oh, yeah. I'm not really superstitious, so I could see a hundred. It wouldn't bother me. Really? Yeah. None. And I love animals. You know, they're okay. They're all amazing creatures. You know, so that that stuff doesn't freak me out at all. Not one bit. Not one bit. Not one bit. What about owls? Owls, I love those things. You man. love owls. You know what I mean? I, I get a lot of joy. You know, at night I'll open my window and hear those things hooting, and I, right. I think it's amazing. Okay. Last weird question. Yeah. If you were a kitchen appliance, what would it be and why? Oof. I love that saying, if you can't take the heat, get out the kitchen. So I think I'd be a stove or something that <laughs> could make something. He's just making heat. And <laughs> bring the heat. Bring the energy. Bring the heat in the yeah. kitchen. Okay. Man, that's that's admirable. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm cool with that. Right. I mean, I'm cool with any answer you would have gave, but yeah. uh, I just was like, just wanted to hear your thought process yeah. on that. Yeah, you got it. So, man. okay. Is real estate investing something you'd recommend as a way to build, to, as a way to build wealth? A lot of wealth has been generated through real estate investing. You know what I mean? But the, you know, the, the word that's probably more imperative there is real estate patience, you know, investing, you know, people just, there are so many people and programs and they just want to sell you the get rich program, the grit, the, the get rich quick program, Every day. get rich. Pro- it just doesn't <laughs> look. Do we all know a story of someone who, oh, they bought this building and, oh, that you know, this user came along and doubled their money. Coach or, them up. Yeah, or, th- you know, this thing happened and I made $3 million and then, oh, and then I happened to put it in Apple stock and it went up two and a half times. I actually know people with those kind of stories, <laughs> but that is not, that's not everyday life, man. No. Most of the people who make it in real estate, uh, they spend time accumulating it. They start early. So they've got time on their side and then they just stick to it. And, yeah. I, and I'm afraid to say there's not really a magic pill other than that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you run it. They're all different markets, right? If you're living in, you know, Cardiff by the sea in Southern California and you, you bought a house, you know, 12 years ago and that thing was 475000 and now it's $2.5 million, Yeah, that's, that's just abnormal. You know, yeah. most, most people don't experience that. Most people are just grinding it out, making yeah. 300 bucks a month after their mortgage on their rental. They're mm-hmm. taking the extra 300 bucks. They're paying down their mortgage. They're using the tax benefits of having the cost appreciation against mm-hmm. their tax return, the extra tax savings. They're reinvesting, and they're rinsing and repeating it. Yeah. And they're doing it longer than most other people will do it. Yeah. And then one day it's like, in 18 years, you're an overnight success. <laughs> right, right. So I, I, the answer to me is you can absolutely build wealth investing in real estate. Like I said, when we started this thing, the, the one thing I would do different is just be more patient, mm-hmm. keep more of it, continue to provide value, and a lot of things take care of themselves. You should be a coach. Yeah, maybe one day. Yeah. Maybe one day. Well, Alan, let people know how to get a hold of you if they want to sell their house. What are, they, what are the steps they can take to, to reach out to you? Sure. Um, they could call me on my personal cell phone and, you know, we could talk and just talk about the value of their property. I can come take a look at it, mm-hmm. um, see how we could best be helpful. Mm-hmm. And, uh, my, my, my personal cell is 520-906-9202. They can call or text me. Mm-hmm. Happy to help them. Happy to visit. I mean, heck, if we just have a great conversation, that's good for me. You know, awesome. at the end of the day, um, some people just want to know what something's worth and, yeah. Just want to see what their plan might be in the future. Happy to talk to all those people. Yeah. It's awesome. And you're local. You're here with us. That's right. Right. Sell to Allen.com. We're going to have that link in the episode information as well as his phone number. So 
if you want to reach out to him, you can check out there. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening. We appreciate our listeners so much. Uh, we've been able to accomplish so much with the local Miranda listeners and the social media followers we have. We couldn't thank you enough as we get ready to move into a new year. Local Miranda is going to still be here strong and proud, supporting the community, bringing on awesome guests like Alan Murdoch. And we're going to we're going to just move forward and get more awesome guests in here to provide some educational insight. We appreciate you. Again, visit localmiranda.com. Check out our new subsidiaries. This is miranda.com, mirandafoodie.com. And of course, you can always check out ltdmedia.net, which is our mother company that is running all of this great stuff. And I want to give a shout out to Clint Peak, our president, who's inside doing the video directing for this episode. We appreciate you, Clint. And we want you to have a happy holiday season. Thank you so much.